You're listening to Aggie Radio, 92.3 KBLU LP Logan. This is the Aggie Radio Sports Show. Uh, I'm Jacob Nielsen. Alongside me, Jake Ellis. Yeah, little little bit of a tough introduction. Yeah. So, I, so let, let me just let me just set the record straight. Let me just set the record straight. I I stopped at the quick stop right before we started this. Chow yeah. down a Hershey's and a Kit Kat because you know. <laughs> haven't eaten dinner. Sure. Missing my my ward Christmas party for this. Well, <laughs> mind you, uh-huh. and so then I was like, I'm gonna chat out on some chocolate. For whatever reason, I open my mouth to start talking, <laughs> and that chocolate's still in my throat. <laughs> it's still in there, and I don't know what that noise was that was coming out of my mouth, but it wasn't my voice. But that's a great way to kick off the show. We got a lovely Monday evening episode for you guys talking Utah State sports. Of course, thank you for tuning in and listening to us. And there's there's a lot to go over. We're gonna talk a little bit of a little bit of volleyball, a little bit of basketball, and a little bit of football. And who knows who who knows what else? Maybe a little bit of a Jacob Degrom going to the Texas Rangers. Probably not. MLB. But I, that we, had to be we could talk softball if you want. I got I got some some news from softball. You, you got news from I from, certainly do. From what from what now? From softball. From softball. Mm-hmm. Is that a sport? Well, I believe so. Uh, you're right. <laughs> I, I would love to hear what news you have on softball. Well, go ahead. Let's let's do basketball first because that's what you uh, want to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's okay. who played last night, and that's who's playing tomorrow morning. That's I mean, right. Men's and women's. It's, it's o- the opposite. But let's uh, let's kick off the show with some men's basketball chat. So the storyline is Utah State on Sunday evening. They went out to the Chase Center where the where the Warriors play. Splash Curry, Clay Thompson, the Splash Brothers, right? They uh, did they put on some USU jerseys? Cause, you know, I've been kind of distracted by uh, Stephen Ashworth. He he has some pretty similar form, and, and, and Taylor Funk. Yeah, but here's the thing: but, not not last night. I know not last night, but, but I you know here's in the general. Thing. I was right. a little bit disappointed because I was hoping that Ashworth and Funk would have great shooting games, and then in my story that I would write for said publication, mm-hmm. I could compare them to the Splash Brothers. But that's not what happened. I what thought you happen? were going to say that you had a Photoshop ready of <laughs> their faces. Oh, that would be even uh, better. Yeah, that's what it should have been. If I was, you know, on on my toes like I used to be back in the day, back in my, my heyday of Twitter glory, <laughs> yeah. I would have done something like that. But now I just, you know, I just go for the, the low-hanging fruit and, yeah. But Utah State defeats San Francisco 82-64. to Semi-neutral site game. Jake, I know you were working at said publication last night in Salt Lake City, <laughs> and so you were driving up. You listened to some of the game on the radio. Yeah. You weren't able to watch it. You weren't covering it for the Statesman. But for, what can you tell our listeners from your assessment, from what you were mm-hmm. able to hear slash absorb? So, yeah, I was driving back from Salt Lake. Um, I was listening to Scotty G actually on Aggie Radio because, let me tell you, you lose a station down in Salt Lake that covers the game around some parts of Weber County on I-15. So I was like, well, you know what? I'll just turn on the TuneIn app. So, you know, just have that in your back pocket. If you're ever trying to listen to some Aggie games, they're always on this station. Or trying to listen to us. Yeah, also, yes. Very important. Obviously, we know uh, you, our show is your top priority. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen to it, obviously. <laughs> I say that tongue-in-cheek. But, um, no, I what I, what I heard... Um, the most exciting play I heard was that banked in three to uh, put the Aggies up, I think, 10 that Taylor Funk had pretty early. Um, 
Then, uh, like I said, I lost the connection for a little bit, but I, I tuned back in. And I hear up, up fourteen. Like, all right, that's you know that's pretty solid. Then, um, you know, I'm just listening, but I'm also talking with my my homie that I'm driving about with Salt Lake from Salt Lake with, and um, so you know maybe lost some of that keen attention for a little bit. But then I, I listen back, and I hear um, leads down to like. Seven. Did it get as low as seven? Yep. Right in the second half, and um, it's like, man, what what happened? What's going on? I thought they were up by like twenty at one point, right? They were. So mm-hmm. tell me what happened there, because all I heard was there was a there's a bit of a San Francisco run, and that the Aggies couldn't buy a call. So was Scotty G telling the truth? He was telling the truth because Sean Bear still got sent out of the game because he got four fouls. His third and fourth foul, I thought were poor calls. Mm-hmm. I'll say that they were poor calls. One was a, the fourth one was a loose ball foul. The San Francisco commentators on the WCC network had thought that the San Francisco player got called for the foul because he oh. jumped on Sean Bearstow. He called it on Bearstow. That's his fourth. Bearstow had an amazing game. He was six of seven from the field for twelve points. So we're going to talk more about Sean Bearstow in a bit. Okay. But he goes to the bench, and that killed a little bit of momentum for the Aggies. Also, a couple of things. San Francisco is a good team. I I think that some people are like, oh man, like if Utah State won that game that easily, like maybe they're not. They, San Francisco is a great team. They only have two losses to Utah State and to Davidson. They beat Wichita State. They beat Fresno State on the road. You beat a Mountain West team on the road. You beat Wichita State on a neutral site. You're a good team. And you know it was they had their moment to rally, right? And so the Aggies with 11 minutes left in the second half, they are up by 21 points, and due to foul trouble, and then. Also, I think some adjustments that San Francisco made, uh, they were able to kind of get back in it. They go on a 17-2 run, which obviously, that's a crazy run. To cut it to seven, something that was happening all game was the Aggies were, I, I think San Francisco's game plan was to deny the three ball. And this is something that Barry Stowe and Ryan Odom, head coach Ryan Odom, both talked about in the post game yesterday. But Utah State comes into this game, the highest three-point shooting percentage team in the nation. San Francisco wants to limit that. What happened was the the dribble drive was open all night for the Aggies. And so Max Schulga was getting in there, Sean Bershtow. That is why Dan Atkin had a game-high 19 points is because you beat your your defender on the dribble drive, and then it's just the big man down there, and that's it. And so they can dish it to Atkin for the easy dunk, right? So anyways, there were a little bit of adjustments made from San Francisco to make that tougher, and they allowed in more open shots in that second half for Utah State. What happened last night, though, that – may have been overlooked because Utah State won by so much. They did not shoot the ball well. Mm-hmm. I So I think I saw only five made three-pointers, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they, on the night, they were five of 19, which wow. notable that they only took 19 threes and 61 shots total because usually that's, um, they they take a, a bigger chunk. But well, co- going into down. last night, right, they're number one in the nation in threes made and three-point shooting percentage, right? Yeah. Yeah, so a big drop-off, but then... They also, they just weren't making up. Steven Ashworth was only one for four from three-pointer. He airballed two threes. Mm. He just was a little bit, he still had a good game defensively. He did a good job. He did good things, but he was a little bit quiet. I don't want to use this excuse either. And I, you know, I'm not, maybe this was said in the post game. Maybe it wasn't, but I feel like typically players will say when you transition to a, a, an arena like that, that has more open space behind the basket, it can be kind of difficult to adjust your shot. It's kind of why we see sometimes that dip in production at neutral site games and in like the start of the tournament 
as teams get used to that. Yeah, I think there's something something to that. Yeah. I don't know if it's like huge enough to yeah. do a five of nineteen, but is it? <laughs> but is, did it play a factor? Perhaps. Um, perhaps. Yeah. I I wouldn't run away with that, but that I mean, it's alluding to it. I, I think is appropriate. The moral of the story is the Aggies were able to quench the run, though, because it's a seven point game. And then what happens is Taylor Funk, who'd been quiet most of the game, he finally came alive in the end of that second half. He goes aggressive to the rim. Gets the through contact, gets the layup. They get a couple stops. Then Dan Atkin gets a putback from a Miss Stephen Ashworth layup. And all of a sudden, they're up 11 again. And then down the stretch, Utah State just played good defense. It, it almost got to a point where, I, I mean, they did score 82 points. So it wasn't like it was yeah. a bad offensive no. night. But after the Aggies slowed down the Dons run, it was like there's just not enough possessions in this game for them to come back because they're not making shots. Because Utah State is not allowing easy looks from San Francisco. And so I think that was really a big thing was the defensive intensity. It was just basic man to man. It's what they've been doing all year. I think they just played harder and they just made it tougher for those open looks to happen from San Francisco and the reward. It's an 82 64 win. It's one of the best wins of the season. And now we have to look at the net rankings, right? Mm -hmm. Because we were thinking, Oh, this will be a quad two win. A little caveat there. They announced the first net, net rankings today. I will say this. It is so early in the season mm. that where teams are right now in the net rankings does not matter very much in my mind. I think that what matters more is where we think teams can be by March. San Francisco opened 104th in the net rankings today. Technically, that was a quad three win last night on a neutral site. That They get bumped up in front of 100 then it's a quad two win. And so that's something with the amount of opportunities San Francisco is going to have in WCC play. They also play New Mexico and UNLV. Tough schedule ahead. If they win some of those games, they'll move up, yeah. right? And so the what the, the record, the rankings is now, I don't read as much into that as quality of the opponent and where they could be by the end of the season. And I think that San Francisco is going to, I think that, that win's going to hold up come March. Do you think there are some other Aggie opponents that will move up there? Like maybe maybe Bradley, maybe Oral Roberts, or do you think they'll kind of stay in the quad that they are right now? So Oral Roberts is, I want to say, I don't have it in front of me, I want to say they were 78th. Mm. And so they were the highest team that Utah State's played and beat, obviously, because they're undefeated. And that's a quad two win, even though it was okay. at home. I don't, I don't know how much higher they could go because they, they have three losses, but they're all quad one opponents but they don't play a ton of quad one and quad two games going forward. So if they keep winning, they'll probably stay where they are. I think that Santa Clara, they're in the shallow hundreds. Santa Clara has an opportunity similar to San Francisco because I, I liked what I saw from Santa Clara in terms of their athleticism. I thought they were more physically. Well, and they're going to get like what, at least four more quad ones. Exactly. They'll if, have, if not more. In the WCC, yeah. playing San Francisco, playing Gonzaga. St. Mary's. BYU, St. Mary's. Well, I'm not sure BYU is going to win this year. I think St. Mary's will probably, at least the, the road one will. Yeah. And Gonzaga will be both times. And then San Francisco might be both times too. Yeah. So the, from those WCC schools, there will be opportunities to keep building a resume. And so those are good wins to have because if any of those teams get hot. Something that's interesting is, let me pull this up really quick. So Utah State is... Did you see the net rankings today? Yes. So tell us a little bit about Utah State and where they lay. All right. So USU, uh, they are the top Mountain West team right now in net rankings at 15. 
This is uh, assembled for me by Kevin Lytell, I think at the Colorado for Colorado State. Yeah. Something like he that. He does a good job covering Colorado State Rams. Um, obviously, I could have found, but the, the tweet that I retweeted was from him. So then uh, New Mexico at 27, uh, Nevada at 43, which I thought was a little surprising because UNLV is at 44. UNLV is undefeated. So obviously, I think Nevada's had a bit of a tougher schedule, but, you know, just saying the net raking favors those undefeated teams. That's why USU is up at 15 with, not that they've played bad teams by any means, but, you know, it's a, you know, than some of the other teams in the in the country, it's a lighter schedule. Sure, like I think on Ken Palm, it's like shallow hundreds of strength of schedule, something like that. Um, then you have San Diego State at forty five, so forty three, forty four, forty five, all Mountain West teams. Boise State fifty seven, Colorado State at ninety three, but of course they were mis- missing. Uh, is sorry, it's Isaiah, right? Isaiah Stevens. Stevens, yeah. I wanted to say Richard like that ain't right. So Isaiah Stevens, um, but he's come back. So I'd imagine they'll they'll keep sneaking up in that ranking with him back. Fresno at 196, so a big jump there, 100 100 place spot almost. San Jose State Air Force, kind of who we thought would be towards the bottom this year, but then Wyoming's at 275. That's all because of Graham Ike not playing, yeah. right? Am I, am I like reading into that too shallowly or? Well, that that's what I want to talk about Wyoming first. Uh, kind of reiterate what i said the sample size is so small at this point in the season so these rankings i if i was the utah state fan i wouldn't go out puffing my chest that we're the 15th best team in the country no a couple reasons one they haven't gotten any votes in the ap top 25 um this most recent today and two there's more that goes into uh, creating a, a resume than just your net ranking even though it's really important and winning those quad games is really important, but they still take into account Ken Palm and some of those other, Bartovic.com, some of those other things. Analytics Analy- based. And Utah State is lower in some of those. But then also, at this point in the season, it just doesn't matter that much if you don't get it done for the rest part of the season. There's people that are concerned about Utah State's non-conference schedule. This has showed that they have enough quality wins, even if they're not quad one and quad two wins. They have enough quality wins that the metrics and stuff, they like Utah State. But on the flip side, it's only going to get harder and harder and harder. So that's one thing about this non-conference schedule. It's, they didn't have to make it incredibly hard because the coaching staff knew the Mountain West was going to be loaded. So they said, hey, let's put it with, let's build this schedule with decent opponents. We're not playing these borderline division two schools mm-hmm. let's play solid opponents in the top 150 of ken palm well and there's something to you that you've alluded to i think um is is what coach odom considered he he won't he I, for whatever reason i just he i don't feel like he's really come out and say like this is why we've scheduled games like this um but you know he's kind of alluded to and you've pointed it out how a lot of these teams have characteristics of mountain west teams that utah state struggled against last season and it seems like a really solid slate of games to prepare them for conference play, like like you're saying. That's an interesting point. Yeah, that I would agree that like they may not be wholly, you know, a Mountain sure. West team might be a little worse in some aspects, or you know, San Francisco might be better than a, a good chunk of Mountain West teams, right? Yeah. But it it's like you know the physicality of Santa Clara, the size of Oral Roberts, you know, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, the guard play of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a great point when we're talking about this, I, it, it was just a beautifully made schedule because it, it wasn't super polarized, like top heavy games and then games that don't 
mean anything like quad four games you know it was right in the middle mostly quad three but if you go five and own quad three games still looks good but what i want to talk about we don't want to read too much into net rankings yeah but when you look at wyoming down there at 275 here's the thing is that's going to hurt the conference because that's a team that obviously they don't have gramike they also have missed hunter maldonado for some games this season Mm. And they have a lot of new pieces that they're still trying to fit together. And so what's going to happen is that Wyoming team is going to be better than what their body of work to this point shows. But the issue is they are so far down there at 275, it's going to be hard for them to get back up. But what's going to happen is that's still going to be a tough game come January and February. Is that borderline? A, is that a quad four opponent right, right now? Right now, like it's this, a quad if they four played opponent. that conference game, yeah. that's insane. Right now, Wyoming is a quad four opponent, and you would have to be facing a quad four Grammy K. <laughs> the chance of losing a quad four game to a team that will not be quad four caliber. Mm-hmm. So that's a failure on Wyoming, but also maybe something up with the system is, I don't know. It's That'll be interesting because it's nice that. You know, the the wins kind of change as the season goes along. Like, some ways it'll hurt, like, you know, if a, if a team does fall from where they were, right? But it, it'll help in that Wyoming case because they'll, they'll definitely get up to quad three, if not quad two, by the end of the season. That's just with how good Hunter Maldonado and, and Grammy EK are. Here's the thing, though. They deserve to be where they are right now. <laughs> they lost to Southeast Louisiana, mm. 76-72. They lost to Drake, who's Drake's having a decent year, 61-56. They lost to Boston College. When has Boston College ever been relevant? I know they're at ACC school. They lost to Boston College 59-48. They couldn't put more than 50 points on Boston College. And then I think the worst one, um, they lose to Grand Canyon, 66-58. Grand Canyon's also respectable, but just a lot of L's on there. So I'm sure that people in the beautiful high plains (laughs) – of the snowy ridge, the snowy ridge, or range, I think. I don't know, right. something like the that. The snowy range, you know, the arena auditorium, just incredible. I love Laredice. Um, they're not happy because <laughs> they got an at-large bid of the NCAA tournament. They're returning a lot of production, and they bring in some transfers. And now they're out of contention to make the tournament because yeah. they have so many poor losses in the non-conference. There's nothing they can do. To have make they it played their MTE, their tournament yet? Oh, I have no idea. Because that might, you know, give them a little more of a slate to to pick things up where they are. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. It'll probably be a, a a Mountain West tournament win that could get them in. That's it. Yeah. Right now, as it stands. But because even if you win out the rest of your your non conference opponent, you're with some of those losses. Yeah. That that's really gonna hurt <laughs> coming. Yeah. Coming into Selection Sunday. but sure. Now, in theory, if they ran the table and beat all these teams, then yeah. But that's just that's not a logical thing. Well, they're not showing that they can do that right yeah, now. They, they're, it is impossible. They have the potential. They have the pieces, but they haven't shown it this season. They have the pieces to be one of the best teams in the Mountain West. But just being one of the best teams in the Mountain West won't cut it with yeah. what's happened. But they're also going to get to play spoiler this year to a lot of teams because they are not going to be an easy out. Mm-hmm. So let's uh let's take a little break here jake yeah and then uh we'll we'll keep talking aggie sports You're listening to aggie radio 92.3 kblu lp logan programming on aggie radio is brought to you by aggie print 
Aggie Print is the university's professional print shop, with a variety of custom options ranging from promotional flyers to apparel and engraving. Aggie Print has two locations on USU campus. Their main office is located at 880 East and 1250 North, with a quick print location on the first floor of the Taggart Student Center. More information can be found at print.usu.edu. Great Basin Urgent Care is located at 1201 South Main Street, Suite 110, Logan. Great Basin Urgent Care offers IV hydration therapy, including banana bags. Other services include x-rays, in-house lab tests, blood draws, and medication management. Primary care is also provided. More information is available at greatbasinuc.com. Intermountain Healthcare supports this program on 92.3 KBLU. Intermountain Healthcare is a Utah-based, not-for-profit system of 24 hospitals, 160 clinics, and 38,000 employees. More information is available at intermountainhealthcare.org. Beaver Mountain supports this program on 92.3. Student and adult season passes are available. Rentals are available online. Beaver Mountain is located in Logan Canyon, just over 20 miles away from Logan. Family owned from the beginning. Learn more about Beaver Mountain at skithebeave.com. You're tuned in to Aggie Radio 92.3 KBLULP Logan. This is the Aggie Radio Sports Show presented by the Utah Statesman. I'm Jake Ellis, the sports editor of the Statesman, joined by Jacob Nielsen, former editor of the Statesman. Aggie, uh, I don't know if you can label him insider, but sure, why not? Call him an Aggie insider, boost boost his ego. Um, (laughs) And during the break, you told me you, you had a question for me, so shoot, go ahead. What is your best bowling performance of all time the highest score you've ever gotten bowling um so i i took a bowling class in high school of course you did for a little bit of course you did i also got my varsity pin in bowling <laughs> um your ha- what now? however <laughs> wait 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 back up your varsity pin in bowling elaborate yeah. um so it's a it was so varsity is a branch of the boy scouts of america okay right and if you do things, it's kind of like a merit badge, but it's for, like, the older group. So after you get your Eagle Scout. Yeah. So, like, you know, once you're above, like, 14 or so. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I didn't have my Eagle yet, but it's just – there's just different requirements, and it's – I don't know. Anyway, it's just – So it was like you hadn't even completed the first level, but you were like, yeah, I'm going to go on to the next. Well, it's like an age thing, but uh, I did get my Eagle. I just got it when I was 17, just uh, barely. You, you were cutting it. Well, my dad wanted me to get it. I didn't really want to get uh, it, but anyway. I got my eagle at 15. I went in there, and they said, we want you to keep pursuing, like, different palms and other stuff. And I said, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's the – that's okay. Anyway, bowling, right? So there was a time that I was pretty decent at bowling, I would say. Yeah? Not good. I have a roommate that has bowled over 200 before. Um, I have not done that. Not even close. But I believe my best score – is a 142 if i'm remembering correctly okay. so okay. not not amazing but like i feel like respectable for that age group i haven't bowled in a long time since then well it sounds like we got to hit the lanes yeah we should yeah let's let's <laughs> uh let's do that i think my highest is 150 oh wow yeah i have a buddy who's really good at bowling back in the day i worked at domino's pizza well it's just domino's because we serve everything not just yeah, pizza. yeah i get a phone call when i'm back in the kitchen from him 
He said, Jake, you won't believe it. I said, what? He said, I bowled a 300. My man's strike on all, how many times would it be, 12? Yeah, because it's 10 frames, and then you get the extra two to complete the bonus. All 12 frames, he got a strike. Insane. Like, I... It's the most impressive achievement I've ever seen from somebody that I know personally. And you know someone that hit a half-court shot for money, right? Yeah, I know someone I mean, that's hit three half-court yeah. shots. Well, that's not me. you, but I, didn't your brother make one too, I thought? I thought you said your brother. Yeah, he, yeah. We, okay. This is about me, not my brother. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. No, not for but, substantial amounts of money, okay. but he has hit one before. Okay. He's missed more than he's made. He's mm-hmm. my brother. I have a twin brother. He goes to a school down south, mm-hmm. and he has a knack for getting onto basketball courts for, um, like, timeout entertainment sequences. It's uncanny, actually. But anyways, we're talking bowling. You and I, we're going <laughs> to hit the lanes. Guess who else is hitting the lanes? The Utah State Aggies. Oh, yeah. The Utah State football team is going bowling, a little bit different type of bowling. They're going Lone Star bowling. They're going down to Texas to bowl. And where, where are they going down in Texas to well, bowl? One of the nicest alleys, actually, um, in the great state of Texas, I'd say. Um, you know, I mean, exclude Jerry's, Jerry's Palace, right? But, uh, you know, at the college level, a historic Southern Methodist stadium. It's Gerald J. Ford, right, stadium? Yes. So that's a great venue. Yeah, so first responder bowl, December 27th. 1.30 p.m. 1.30 p.m., is that? I believe so. Is that locked and loaded? 2.30 central, 1.30 mountain. All right, good to know. Yeah, in uh, in uh, the Metroplex mm-hmm. in Dallas, personally, it's exciting. I used to live in <laughs> the Metroplex. That's your home state. Yeah, for your- uh, <laughs> seven, eight years, you know. Okay. The, the formative years, maybe. That's Not why really. he has the disfortune of being a Rangers fan, hey, right? The fortune, because yeah, yeah, yeah. our owner... DeGrom, our, whatever. Let's talk bowl and let's hey, talk bowl. you know bowling. what? Our owner woke up <laughs> one morning mm-hmm. in the middle of last season, and he decided, it's not getting it done. He fires our GM, and then he's like, you know what? We're just going to spend all the money. Then they get Seager, they get Samuel, and now they get Jacob DeGrom. So the Rangers are going to be back. Just, just you wait. All right. But anyways, we'll the Aggies going down to Dallas. They will play Memphis. And I think that this is an excellent matchup for Utah State football for a couple of reasons. One, when you're 6-6, six and six, you're at the bottom of the totem pole for like where you get to go. Mm. It seems like they did not get the worst bowl no, not in the Mountain West. Means. They got arguably the best bowl. For, for I'd say balancing location and payout, yes. Probably location the best, and payout. Best, and payout. Best, bowl. best bowl in terms of, I think they... That's not the LA bowl. Potentially, yeah, because... Yeah. Uh, I would say the LA bowl is still the best bowl, but... Yeah. Yeah, they're not playing a power five opponent, obviously. Yeah, but I, I do know that the team the team was lobbying to go to the Frisco Bowl because they wanted to get it all done before Christmas, get their players home. That goes to Boise State, who will play North Texas. The Aggies play still in Dallas, which is where they wanted to be, just after Christmas, and they play Memphis. Memphis beat North Texas during the regular season, hmm. so it's a Memphis is a better team, and they are 6-6, six and six, but they're from the American Athletic Conference, which I think we can say this year. Uh, Sunbelt might have something, something to say about that. <laughs> but the American Athletic Conference is probably the best G5 conference. And four of those six losses that Memphis had were by a possession or, lo- or less. They barely lost to Cincinnati. I thought it was by 10 or less, but maybe. Five, five were by 10 okay, or less. Okay, five? Yeah. Okay. So they lost to Tulane, who's going to a G5 game, yes. by 10 points. Yeah. They lost by seven to UCF, and then they lost by like three to Houston. Mm-hmm. This is all off the top of my head, but I think so, it was a touchdown or three to Southern Methodist. Okay, 
um, in in the same stadium too. Really, it was their last game of the season too. Okay, so that's oh, a that's return right. yeah, trip. SMU. Yeah, da, da, da. yeah. yeah I'm, a, I'm a simple minded guy. You said Southern Methodist. <laughs> I was, I was yeah. like, they they played the church. Not yeah, they, they did. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is a team that easily could have been eight and four. Nine and three, maybe. I think this is a team that has a lot of similarities with the Aggies. How so? How so? Um, I mean, at least in some ways, in that they uh, they had trouble putting things together earlier on in the season, right? But then they gave some really solid schools a good run for their money. Um, and I don't know, maybe the similarities aren't as much as I thought, but just in my head, I just feel like teams that you know thought that they were going to be pretty good this year and give some teams sure. good challenges. And end up faltering and dealing with some things, but still end up 500 and get that bowl. So I feel like similar in some ways. Maybe not as similar as I may have led you to believe right there. No, they're they're two teams that you could say underachieved. That in some cases could be better than what their record looks. I don't know if we can say that about Utah State, but you know... If things I think you could say that expectation-wise. Expectation-wise, certainly. Yeah. Certainly. So, it, I mean, it's a team. They're going to cause problems for Utah State because they're really well-built on both sides of the ball. Memphis is a school that um, it's right there in the south, right? And it's a school that likes to punch above their weight. Obviously, their basketball team is renowned. But it's a school that they they lobby to get in the Big 12, right? Like, they, they see themselves as this Power 5 school. They have a big stadium they have a lot of support and so they more resources than the Aggies and they probably are a bigger better more athletic team on paper they also have a really good quarterback in Hennigan this guy Seth Hennigan he passed for 3,287 yards this year which is 19th nationally and he had 19 touchdowns and eight interceptions so that's a pretty good uh, ratio there, nineteen touchdowns in twelve mm-hmm. games, right, and then just eight interceptions. So they have a they have a good offense, and that's what I think the storyline is going to be: is can this Utah State defense be stingy enough to slow them down? Well, uh, they might be getting some help back. We heard from Blake Anderson that Michael Anyanwu. I, I know we don't say that right, but no, I'm not really, right. I feel like it gets said differently in every press conference that we're talking to him. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he might come back. He might yep. be back from injury. Johnny Carter might be back from injury. Um, we saw him a little bit, but then he came yeah. back out, probably tweaked it just a little bit in that reappearance. And what was that? John Ward on the defensive end. Yes, John Ward. Um, so those were the ones that were mentioned. Um, so it sounds like Ike Larson will still probably be out for yeah. the rest of the year. I, but Yeah, sounds like we're not going to see Ike, which is disappointing that they're playing on. You know, I was going to make – some comparison that I thought was slick, but I realized I had it all wrong. <laughs> I was thinking in my head, Gerald Ford. And for whatever reason, who is Gerald Ford? Was he a president? Yes. Okay. I get him mixed up with Dwight Eisenhower. So in my also head, a president. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So in my head, I was like, Oh, Ike, like he doesn't get to play on Dwight Eisenhower field, but obviously that's not the case. <laughs> I had that way wrong. So excuse me for, for that. If only the Aggies still had Gerald Bright. Former Aggie legend running back Gerald Bright mm-hmm. graduated in 2019. If he got to play on this field, that would be beautiful. But anyways. Oh, one one thing about Gerald Ford is that he was actually born in, in Omaha, Nebraska. So why why is SMU stadium? I mean, he probably went to SMU, I'm guessing, right? But I'm just saying 
shouldn't like the Cornhuskers be naming their stadium after him? Yeah, for real. But anyway. why, do, why does Creighton not have a football program and name it after him? Yeah, good point. Omaha, Nebraska, somewhere in the middle of. Or what about that Wichita? America. Well, that's Kansas, huh? Yeah, never mind. Yeah, it's all the same. What about that abandoned uh, Wichita State? Stadium Name it after Gerald Yeah Then he can have two How about that Put some respect on his name Yeah He deserves more than just one stadium <laughs> uh-huh. He was the president for heaven's sake Sure Yeah Anyways <laughs> I man we, we just going off the rails Yeah Here's the deal bit. Here's the deal That defense With Johnny Carter Is a different beast And I've I'm really high on some other guys But AJ Carter The The size that he has Out there in corner I think there's a lot of guys on this Aggies defense that are a little bit undisciplined when it comes to the rushing attack in the sense that I see a lot of guys that it's a very well-coached side, right? They do a lot of things right. But I think that you can beat Utah State with different run diversions and not even a physicality thing, but just a they will expose holes. They will break holes because I think there are starters on this team that they might bring it effort-wise every play, but maybe mentally in positions they need to be in, they don't totally bring it. A.J. Carter. Well, it's also a – it's one it's – a, it's a defense that's built more on, on speed and agility. Uh-huh. And so you get an O-line like Wyoming, and it's pretty easy to, to seal some – some blocks. There. It's true. No, that's that's a great point as well. And it's you know it's a defense that likes to play vertically because they want to get into the backfield. And so sometimes there's a gamble with that. If you're jumping in the backfield, you can get burnt. You can leave a tight open, wide open on on a, a hitch route, or you can um, leave a wide open outside running lane for a running back. AJ Carter is a guy that has saved the Aggies defense all season long in those situations. He was out against Wyoming, and we saw Wyoming for the reasons you mentioned, among others, ran all over the Aggies. And we saw A.J. Carter in the San Jose State game. Miraculously, from what I had heard, I didn't think he was going to be ready to roll. He comes back, has a phenomenal game, has that pass breakup on the fourth and two to seal the deal. Then he starts the Boise State game. He was not right. He got burned for a touchdown. His foot was not right. They pull him out of the game, right? And so he's somebody, if he can be healthy, boy, oh, boy, does that help the team. John Ward's a guy, sophomore UCLA transfer he's quietly had a solid season on the defensive end obviously he's playing behind some great guys in Greshik and Byron Vons but he's held his own and you need all the depth depth that you can get at that position and then Michael Nyanu just another deal just how slim the secondary was I we even back that Boise well, State the safety game. spot is just so so tough right now it's true you know because no Gervin Hall anymore no Gerv. and then Ike Larson out with an injury too. Yep. So, and then Luke Luke Marion entered the transfer portal, so he yeah. won't be available for the bowl game. Yeah. So, just Hunter Reynolds trying to hold the full fourth down <laughs> back there. I mean, he's done a great job, but yeah, you need him, two safeties. Him and a, <laughs> I mean, Dominic just, Tatum is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure, is able to do his thing. But, but you can't stay in there all exactly. all hundred snaps. No, right? you're right. So, yeah. So it'll be having Anyanwu and AJ Carter will be crucial, especially against this dynamic passing attack. Um, we won't see any MJ Tafisi. That's a tough in- injury that he suffered against Wyoming. How they've handled that publicly is a little bit odd to me, how it's been so day-to-day when really it's an injury that, ah, it's brutal. Yeah, It's brutal. The way he got hit there, I don't know the full details of it, but I know that it is a tricky, tricky situation. It's one you got to be really careful. Yeah, with kind wise. of the spine 
and just that whole area, like you mm-hmm. got to take it right. So hopefully MJ Tafisi can come back next year and be healthy. That would be fantastic for the Aggies. But yeah, so that's kind of the injury report defensively for, for the bowl game. And they, they need to be playing their best on the defensive side of the ball if they're going to be able to compete in this game. Yeah. Well, and um, is this a chance? I feel like one of the questions in that presser talked about this. Is this a chance to also get in some younger guys, even some guys that are redshirting, but they can maybe play one game? You know, they have because you have that four four game bubble, right? Yep. They get a little bit of appearances. Uh, I know I only know of one safety that's redshirting, but do you think uh, Bronson Olaval gets in? Maybe, perhaps. Oh, may, I don't maybe know. So. I don't know why. I don't know why he's sticking out to me, but I'm just saying with how how. How short that safety spot Bronson is. Bronson is my dog. Yeah. We went to elementary school together. Yeah? We did. Nice. Um, I took a class with him last semester, so us. I think that's also why. I mean, so <laughs> a little bit of personal bias on that one. For no, sure, he's a great dude. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's going to be a guy that's going to mm-hmm. work hard in the system. And Well, and on the flip side, is there some, some guys you maybe hold back because they are on that fourth game of their red shirt? Mm. Yeah, you know, I haven't looked specifically at that. Mm-hmm. Any guys that will play in the bowl game, they played – in that Boise State game, probably because yeah. they were throwing everything out of it. That involves some redshirt guys. Mm-hmm. That would be a great well, I know question. To... Bo Miley was a redshirting, mm-hmm. but I think he might already be at the four based on how early he had to come in at that DT. I don't know if. Oh yeah, I think he's broken and he's played more than four. That's games. exactly. So I think that yeah. he'll, he actually probably doesn't anymore. Yeah. Um, that might be something then, uh, worth asking. Yeah, asking Blake Anderson in the next press conference or to trying to figure that out. <laughs> like, okay. Who it'd be good to know? Yeah, mm-hmm. are there any freshmen that they're holding out or are going to throw in for the bowl game? It's a great rule, I think. You get like it's like a test run. I like, hate it in basketball because like there's size. so many more games, but you can't step on the court once. Yeah, and like I, that just doesn't make any sense to me. It's such a smaller roster too. Yeah, like you you can't let them play one or two games like uh, against um not really that many chances on this Utah State schedule, but maybe, maybe last year. When we're playing, um, who was that first exhibition game? Oh, heck if I know. You're, <laughs> you're asking me to remember an exhibition game from over a year ago? I know the logo's red, but that's about all I can give you. Montana Western. I think so. Man. I think that is actually... How, do I, how did I know that? I don't know. We could be totally wrong and acting like fools right now, but anyway. <laughs> you know, why Why can't someone like Mason, Mason Falslev or Spencer, or Isaac Johnson, rather, that's his brother, get in you know for a game or two well i, I got kind a, of annoying there's but. a sad tell it's a, the sad tell of gavin baxter um mm. big guy for the utes now right yes but he played down at byu mm-hmm. right his freshman year he was injured so he was red churning it and then he decided they decided maybe it was this i don't know the, the full details but i remember this is 2020 they were playing gonzaga at home and it was a big game and this is when you byu was going to not only make the tournament, they were going to be like a five or a six seed. He helps in that game, breaks his red shirt to play in that game. It was the second to last game of the regular season. Mm. Then the West Coast Conference Tournament, he ends up only playing three games because they beat Gonzaga. Then they last regular season game. Then they lose to St. Mary's in the semifinal of the West Coast Conference Tournament. And then what happens? Pandemic shuts, Pandemic everything, shuts down. everything down. So You don't even get a, a tournament run. Yeah. And you break your retreat, man. That, that and and that was the year, the, that 20, 2019 and 2020 year, there, there was no eligibility exemptions. So he burned a full year mm. doing that, which uh, that's, 
That yeah, they ought to. They that's look brutal. At that because that's brutal. I I get it. Like obviously, if you're even if it's just like a minute every game, like obviously that shouldn't count as a red shirt, right? But you play on, of a thirty game season, you play two games. Can't tell me that that is gonna severely impact compatibility or something by letting a guy redshirt doing that. Yeah, but whatever. I think that yeah, it would be cool if we could see Mason Falsliff out there mm-hmm. for like one game. Yeah. Dude, I saw him in practice the other day, uh-huh. draining threes. I saw. I this show is really has not been planned super well, so I apologize if we're driving you crazy. But, dude, hey, watched him while we were talking to Coach Odom before the San Francisco game. Uh-huh. Only missed one, maybe two shots, just shooting threes the whole like really? twelve minute interview. Only missed like one, just hooping. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't being guarded, but sure, automatic. And they were like step backs too. They weren't just you know placing your setting your feet so that's like eye candy watching a guard yeah, just uh-huh. <laughs> just a court to himself just splashing yeah yeah no that's with with him and isaac johnson you wrote a story about isaac johnson that i did when you're gonna get that thing online um after my floor christmas party tonight how about that well i mean yeah okay whatever. maybe maybe before whenever you want we'll see whenever you want but it's in the paper we, we can promote it for the show and then i promise if you look by tuesday morning it will be up how about okay, that cool cool yeah so tell me what you liked from it because well, I, mean, I just got a text but tell me tell me what you like well, well i mean or what sh- what should people why should people read not it? that i read how it i that? just wanted you sure to oh well i really <laughs> appreciate it. that's really well, nice here, of you. <laughs> here, here was my point and i will tell you here was uh, my point jake ellis you read us about isaac johnson there's two guys that could be in this rotation isaac johnson and mason falls up that aren't that are red shooting mm-hmm. and so i mean that's how how much depth this year's team has because both of those guys were power five guys that yeah. could be playing that are really good what i liked about your isaac johnson story is you just kind of told it how it is i mean you you wrote it obviously he talked about how the lifestyle didn't really fit for him at oregon and when you're a member of the church of jesus christ latter-day saints and you go up there very liberal very just different, right? Well, even just, you know, marijuana is legal there, right? Yeah. Or, you know, if it, it's more of a party campus exactly. and more drinking, right? So things like that. Um, and, yeah, just like you said, it's just a different – and it's a team that hadn't had a missionary, a returned missionary from that church in over 50 years. So yeah. they didn't even really know how to treat, like, bringing someone back into a team, into a sport, really, that they yeah. haven't been playing for a while. Yeah, so I think credit to, to Isaac for – actually getting on the court mm-hmm. bit by bit that year yeah. he played it himself into i don't know if he was in the rotation fully because he averaged five minutes per game but he played a good amount through the season but then also i liked it just he was very transparent but he also i just we saw emotional maturity from isaac johnson because he realized it's not about the flashiness about nike and stuff it's about being in a good environment with good coaching staff and excelling somewhere you're comfortable as a student athlete and as a human being. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's been able to find at Utah State. Obviously, redshirting this year because Shimon and Tremendorius are in the way. Yeah. But it sounds like he's going at it with the with the right attitude, and he's someone that's going to stick around in the system and be a, be a guy for the Aggies here in the next coming years. Yeah. Well, I feel like most college athletes have a professional aspiration, right? And so sometimes you get like, oh, I have to go to the the best school that gives me an offer, right? And then you end up not getting a great opportunity where you've seen people, especially in basketball lately, like Utah State has shown that they people watch them and they get pro talent from there. You got 
two guys in the G, three guys in the G League right now, yeah. right? And then you got guy playing professionally in France. Another one where is Diego playing? Diego Brito, yeah, yeah. he's in he's in the Spanish. League. The Spanish. I was not sure if it's yeah. Portugal or, or Spain. But, yeah. And yeah. then there's several guys from before our time that are still playing in leagues yeah. around the world. Yes. And well, JC Carroll obviously is the shining example there. Sure. Right? So, sure. Anyway. Um, yeah, like you said, I just getting to know him, I just was really impressed by that too. I'm glad yeah. you said that. So mm-hmm. if you want to hear more about that story, it's going to be on usustatesman.com yeah. tomorrow morning, um, Tuesday morning. So I, we can take a take our last break here in a second. But mm-hmm. one thing I kind of want to build off of this is when we're talking Utah State and Utah State athletes, I've had a chance to chat with Jerry Bovey a couple times, the interim athletic director, and he's talked about culture and fit a lot, which are cliche things to discuss, but talking about how Utah State can punch above its weight in recruiting and in developing because of the culture and the kind of the lifestyle and how it is being a student athlete in Logan at Utah State. And I I don't know how tangible that is. I think it's better seen through examples. But when you get um, when you get individuals on specific programs at this university that love Logan, love living in Utah, and are just willing to work hard, there's a really strong track record in this place of teams producing winners and competitive programs, respectively, in the Mountain West, right, and in the WAC beforehand. And so that's something that I think the basketball team, Ryan Odom and and co., perhaps better than anyone. I think Manny Martins with soccer has done a great job with this. I think Rob Nielsen with volleyball has done this. Mm -hmm. But getting kids that want to be in Utah, right, and developing really, really well. And that's that's how you build that's how you build strong teams. As crazy as the transfer portal is, nobody left the Utah State basketball program for non playing time reasons mm-hmm. over the off season. And that that is a tremendous thing, especially with how loaded the backcourt is. None of those guys saw the writing of, on the wall. They wanted to stay here. They wanted to stay developing in Logan. It's not about the flashiness. It's not about how, how nice the facilities are that helps in some regards mm-hmm. but if you got a good culture good coaching legitimate competition good teammates somewhere you want to be i mean that's that's all you needed that's something that i, I don't want this to sound like a, <laughs> a pr pitch yeah, State, yeah well pr which is student kinda, jacob well, here, which is kind of turned into uh, but i'm just telling you that's that that's more echoing what jerry bovey has said to me but i think that that's um that's kind of the formula for Utah State, right? Because you're not going to get the top talent. It's going to be hard to get the top talent even in the state, right? Let alone in yeah. the West Coast in California. And so that's that is the formula, and it works to a to a certain level. Well, and I think it just shows in in the ways that certain athletes are connected to the school still years after they've they've graduated. You know, because yep. you don't always see that. But like things like. Justin Bean, obviously, he still has friends on the team, but he's still, you know, obviously watching a lot of games. He comments on things, right? So that's cool. Or, you know, you have people come back like Turbin and, and get inducted to the Hall of Fame, and they have nothing to say but good things about their time. So, yeah. And even – I'll add to your PR pitch there too. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's let's take our last break, mm-hmm. and then when we get back, we'll chat a little bit of volleyball and some women's basketball. And, yeah, so this is the Aggie Radio Sports Show on 92.3 KBLU LP Logan. Aggie fans, this broadcast is brought to you by Aggie Radio 92.3 KBLU and Everlight Solar. Everlight Solar serves communities throughout Utah. 
and help local homeowners go solar. More information is available at everlightsolar.com. Hello? Hello? Oh, hey, J.C. Caldwell, Utah Statesman News Manager here. You know, now that I have you, you should pick up a copy of The Statesman, USU student-run newspaper. A new issue comes out every Monday, and you can find them at almost any building on campus, or read online at usustatesman.com. You do want to know what's happening on campus and in Logan, don't you? Anyway, I gotta run and grab a copy of my own. See you later. Discount Tire is a proud sponsor of Aggie Football and 92.3 KBLU. With locations in Logan, Providence, and Smithfield, Discount Tire offers services such as oil changes, emissions, alignments, car maintenance, and more. More information is available at webtires.net. Aggie Sports Radio on KBLU is sponsored in part by Cash Valley Visitors Bureau. Cash Valley Visitors Bureau has all the information about the fall activities in the Valley. More information available at explorelogan.com. You're listening to Aggie Radio, 92.3 KBLU LP Logan. This is the Aggie Radio Sports Show presented by the Utah Statesman. I'm Jacob Nielsen, former sports manager of the Utah Statesman. Alongside me is Jake Ellis, the current sports editor of the Utah Statesman. Thank you for being with us this hour and listening to our uh, ramblings of all things Utah State (laughs) sports. Um, we got a few more minutes left. I want to touch on Utah State Volleyball. They had their tournament game, singular. And then we'll chat a little bit about tomorrow. There's a big game for USC women's basketball. So first, you and I, we both covered it for our respective publications. Tough way to end the year for Utah State Volleyball. NCAA tournament against Arkansas in Oregon. What happened there? Well, um, it, it was a lot of just shooting yourself in the foot. There was problems with service errors. There was problems with attack errors. Um, uh, Aggies probably one of their worst hitting games of the season i don't have the logs to check on that but two sets that they hit under 10 percent, which is awful um so just a lot of self mistakes and then against a team where you you had to play perfectly to beat so it made a game that would already be tough look even worse than it probably should have been yeah i mean the way that hitting goes the only way that i can explain it is it's comparable to baseball batting average so if you're hitting 300 or above you're doing really good yeah so arkansas for the game averaged like 324 hitting utah state averaged 117 two of those sets they got swept 3-0 right two of those sets were below 100 imagine if you're a baseball team collectively as a team you're batting below 100 you're gonna get your butt kicked every game and so that a phenomenal season right the Mm -hmm. fact that they rallied in the tournament with some of the wins they had in the regular season make it to the ncaa tournament great accomplishment they have plenty to be proud of, but they're going to be kicking themselves that they did not give their best performance when the lights were the brightest. Well, and it's something that junior Tatum Stahl, outside hitter, <laughs> was like, this feels a lot like the Mountain West tournament is what she said. Like, we got bounced in the semifinal last year by Boise State, and we knew we could have won. We could have done way better, but they 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 got ousted. And then this season, that was their goal. They came back and they won that Mountain West title in the tournament. And then they went out in the NCAA tournament, not um, in the way that they wanted to. So based on the way she's setting it up, it's it's going to be that motivation for this next year. And they got a lot of key pieces returning. Going to lose Shelby Capion, I believe she's done, um, eligibility-wise. And there's another senior I might be forgetting 
Um, and COVID-wise, I might be wrong. They may I think be Kylie able, Stokes. They might there. have another year, but um, I believe those are the two leaving yeah. um, eligibility-wise. But you keep Stahl. I believe you keep Boyd. I know you keep Rodriguez. I know you keep Wilton LeBoy. Um, some really standouts for this team. So um, they'll have a good shot next yeah, season. They'll, they'll sure. stay in good shape. Absolutely. Um, and then now that volleyball's over, the next main women's sport going on is women's basketball. Mm-hmm. It's been a tough start to the year for them. But this swing has been great. Last week, yeah, they beat Weber State. They beat Utah Valley. They're two and zero. Well, they're actually two and one against in-state teams. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> they are two and zero in the past two games. Mm-hmm. And so, are things looking up for Utah State women's basketball? Well, let me show you the record. Right, so two two and zero this last week at Weber State. They get a win, seventy four sixty nine, in a game that they trailed by as much as seven, if not more, in this final quarter. A lot of people didn't really watch that too much because it was during the Utah Tech men's basketball game, um, and then. Um, they beat Utah Valley on Saturday, 65-55. So Maria Carvalho gets the win against her former team, and she actually gets the uh, the uh, Student Athlete of the Week honors for the university. So just a really great performance from her. She had 17 points against UVU, um, five assists and a steal, and then hit two three-pointers in the closing minutes to create a little bit of a run at the end to get that 10 point win so they take on byu tomorrow in their final um in-state game this well i believe so um and that tips off at 11 a.m right here on aggie radio so practice some of that march madness uh slyness have a little tab open watching the game (laughs) and then hide it you know when your boss comes by right well here's the exciting thing Mm -hmm. do you know why it tips off at 11 a.m Oh, I do, but sure. Because the whole squad's pulling up. All the ele- I don't know if it's all the elementary schools in Cache Valley, but a bunch of field trips going down from elementary school kids in Cache Valley going into the spectrum. They do this annually every year. It's very loud in there. It's not a very crazy atmosphere for USC women's hoops because they don't win and they don't often. They don't win often, and there hasn't been a ton of support. Mm-hmm. But tomorrow kids are going to roll up that place is going to be <laughs> jumping it's going to be rowdy yeah. with a bunch of high-pitched voices so that'll add a fun element to it we'll see if uh usu uh, women's basketball can kind of ride off some of this momentum and um be competitive against uh, a byu team that isn't nearly as good as the team that went to the ncaa tournament a year ago yeah it'll i think it'll be more competitive than the same matchup last year where it just really wasn't so um and especially with this utah state run if you can build things here and 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 get a couple of these wins build some confidence going into conference play you can get right back on track to to where the internal expectations were for this season um because obviously the press they didn't believe in this squad they still don't but you know, predicted to finish last in the conference, but this team has a lot of belief in themselves, and they got that dog in them. Do well, they? I believe. Maybe. <laughs> I think we'll see, but I think they do, and uh, almost literally in some case because I was at a local hot dog eating establishment today, and I saw Coach Kayla Ard. So she literally had that hot dog. <laughs> so that dog, that dog in them. I think they have that that confidence. And um, they're really starting to come together, I think, and play a a much more balanced attack. And Maria Carvalho's had some really great games. So she's going to be a player that is going to be really important this season. 
did you just make me excited about USC women's hoops by comparing so. it to a, a hot dog establishment? Perhaps. Perhaps you did. Right. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. Well, that that's about all we got for our show. Got to wrap it up. Thank you for listening to the Aggie Sports Radio Show. For Jake Ellis, I'm Jacob Nielsen. Good night. Hey, Aggies. Looking for new ways to get involved, make new friends, and get professional experience? Aggie Radio has a place for you. Find out how you can get involved at our website, radio.usu.edu, and we'll see you there. This broadcast is brought to you by Aggie Radio 92.3 KBLU and America First Credit Union. America First Credit Union offers a wide variety of financial services, including home loans for building, buying, and refinancing. More information available at AmericaFirst.com.